This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Every day I wake up and more and more snow has melted from my yard and it's getting me really excited because uh, I have a, a nice backyard to explore this spring and summer that I didn't get to when we moved into our new house over the winter. So I'm getting excited to be outdoorsy and to put up patio furniture, Miles. It's going to be fantastic. Well, you are getting ahead of yourself. But also, I would say I'm on the opposite end of it. I've like come to like winter enough that I'm just like, keep the snow around. Let's keep keep the deep of winter and all at least through March, because March is just an ugly, muddy mess anyway. So I'll just take the snow. So I'm oh, kind of bummed. Know. I don't know about all that, Miles. I don't even right now I think is nicer when it's like there's snow but it's sunny and there's no ice. Like I'm down I'm down with that. I'm I've become one of those those people who just like loves the winter now. So Yeah, you're not you're a, you're not Wisconsinite, you know, as soon as March first comes around, you're back to the gym shorts and tank top outside. I mean, I'll do that, but I'd rather <laughs> just still be riding my fat bike or skiing and doing happy hours in the snow. I'm I'm all for it. That's fair. So last week, we talked about a particularly long meeting that had to do with shipwreck in Egg Harbor. And uh, we were kind of left on a cliffhanger with that uh, because they were going to dismiss and reconvene and talk about it some more. Well, they have done that. Miles, was it another long meeting or was it relatively brief? This one was kind of painless. This one was really fast, Andrew. (laughs) That is uh, shocking, but I, I'm also I'm glad that you're able to kind of get in and get out with this one because I know that you were uh, maybe dreading another six-hour meeting. But uh, it looks like a decision was made at least for the time being. Tell me what went down. So for our listeners who maybe did not listen to the last one, the owners of Shipwreck Brew Pub in the center of Egg Harbor, kind of one of the marquee uh, businesses and locations in all the county, really, but definitely for Egg Harbor, They're seeking to build an outdoor patio and bar space in some property right next door that used to be the home of Christine's Casuals clothing store. And they bought that. That building actually, as we speak, is in the process of getting moved up the highway to the grounds of the Patricia shop who bought that building and is just moving up the road. The owners of Shipwrecked want to create a beer garden scene there. And what it would do, essentially, they would combine the two lots the shipwreck lot and that neighboring lot into one. And they're seeking um, some special development zone relief and a conditional use permit to do this. And that it would expand shipwreck from about 270 to 300 seats, depending on, on how they measure it to almost 400 seats, which would make it one of the largest restaurants in the County. So that's kind of like the, the baseline for this. What they spent last week discussing was a lot of different things in the village of Egg Harbor pertaining to this development, parking, impervious surface ratios, potential side agreements that relate to this property, and an ongoing lawsuit from the owners of Shipwrecked against the village of Egg Harbor. So there's a lot of things at play here. And thrown on top of all of that is the fact that uh, the general manager of Shipwrecked is a person by the name of Joe Smith. Joe Smith is also on the village board of trustees 
and is also the plan commission chair. So he actually has to recuse himself from the plan commission for this, and then he goes to the other side of the table, and the owners of Shipwrecked are not presenting the plan, but Joe Smith, their general manager, is. So the plan commission chair is recused, and he is the one presenting this plan back to his colleagues on the plan commission. So a lot of complicated aspects to this. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess it's no wonder why it you know, was a six-hour meeting that first time around. What is the verdict at this point, and what did it come down to? Well, this meeting started with, like, long story short, the plan commission voted to deny the conditional use permit. Long story long is uh, Cambria Miller, who is the acting plan commission chair in the absence of Joe Smith, started the meeting basically by outlining her take on this after thinking about it for the last week. Essentially, the plan for shipwrecked that they submitted for review relied on a shared use agreement with the owners of the neighboring property, which is signature pieces. And at the last meeting, Bob Holly and Jennifer Blonick, the owners of that building, they spoke up in the public comment session and said, there is no shared use agreement. Nobody's ever approached us about a shared use agreement. There's nothing on the books. So as far as we know, once we saw this plan, this was news to us. And huh. that's, that's a pretty big deal because the, you know, any property, if you want to do a development, most towns have setbacks from neighboring properties. So it might be 10 feet, it might be 20 feet. A lot of times it depends on how big of a thing, if you're proposing a very massive structure, the setback might be much larger. If it's a smaller development, it's a smaller setback. Um, And what Bob Holly said was, we're not opposed to this. We actually think this is not the worst idea in the world. We like outdoor dining. We think that's the tourists like that as well. We you know, pursuing this is not the problem we have. It's just that we are not aware of any shared use agreement and nobody's talked to us. And so that what Cambria Miller, the, at the start of this meeting said was in absence of that shared use agreement, we really don't have a plan to review and vote on. Like we can't approve this if that doesn't exist because either the proposers of this development either have to go back and get that shared use agreement and bring it to us. Or if they can't reach an agreement on that, this plan substantially changes because it would mean the setbacks change and you would have to move, they would have to move their parking or get rid of that parking, which means the plan commission would be reviewing a proposal that has substantially different impervious surface or substantially different parking arrangements. And and it would also change maybe the location of seating and and possibly the location of a structure. So there's a lot of things that that brings into question. So she said, you know, and and that the other plan commissioners all agreed with her. They, they unanimously agreed they couldn't vote on that today. Kathy Navis was the lone dissenter, only based on like some semantics. Uh, she suggested that they postpone reviewing the project and have Shipwreck come back with a new plan. The rest of the plan commission voted that they actually had to deny this particular project and they would have to uh, pay a new filing fee and come back with a new proposal that they could actually review. Huh. So in terms of the next steps for shipwrecked, what does that actually mean? Because in my mind, it seems like all they have to do is come up with a shared use agreement and then they can resubmit. Is that not the case? That is a possibility. They could do that. However, Robert Pullman, who is the owner of the building, and uh, at one point he, he spoke in open session. And at one point he was asked if he was the owner of of shipwrecked and speaking for them, he said, no, I'm not the owner of shipwrecked. And somebody pressed him a little more and said like, well, do you have an ownership interest in this? He goes, well, I own the building. So that was 
kind of a weird parlay between uh, the commission and and Robert Pullman. Hmm. But Robert Pullman said in open session that he was making the case for the development by saying, well, that shared use agreement, uh, that's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. We have since, since the last meeting, we have talked to those property owners and it's not realistic that we'd come to an agreement. So those parking spots that would be over there and the use of that driveway won't be part of the plan, which means the impervious surface issue question, because it's the question is impervious surfaces. This plan calls for 81% impervious surface. The village uh, ordinance limits that to 60%. So his argument was that without that parking lot, that'll be green space. So the impervious surface won't be a question. Well, that was what the village plan commission said. Well, is like, you're the owner of the property proposing this development. And you just told us when you've said that, you told us that the plan you have presented is not actually the plan we're going to be approving because you're going to change it. So we can't, we can't approve this. So that was kind of interesting in that the, the owner kind of made the case against his own proposal in this case. Um, Both Joe Smith and Robert Pullman made a version of the argument that, well, this is conditional use is so we can present a plan and you tell us the conditions and then we just have to meet those conditions. And Cambria Miller made the point that, you know, it's, you're not, we're not supposed to review a what if plan and then just base conditions on a plan that's not realistic at all. Like you're supposed to come to us with a detailed plan and we approve that plan. And here are the small stipulations. This is a very drastic difference in the plan. So we can't approve that and then just try to put conditions on. All right. The condition is you change this plan dramatically, but we okay it assuming you're just going to change it. Like that's, that's a big hurdle for a village to, to say is correct. Right. You know, it's interesting when you, when you started this, you kind of outlined all of the things that made this a very challenging situation just in general. And yet what it seems to have come down to is maybe the least challenging part of the puzzle. Uh, But as you were kind of going through what the next steps might be there, it, it starts to open that can of worms back up, right? So they solve the impervious surface puzzle uh, by not doing the shared use agreement, but then you've made the parking situation worse. Is that is that how you're reading it too? Yes. Well, because if you get rid of those parking spots, now granted, um, another thing from, there's much more detail on this in our, in our last podcast episode about this topic, but this plan... By going to the seating that they would be requesting, they're supposed to have 97 parking spaces. Even with their original plan, they only had 22, and they were relying on paying a fee in lieu of parking for 55 place spots, and then using a handful of spots at another property they own, the Cape Cod Motel, which is beyond 500 feet away. It's about a half mile away. And then a, a property across the street, taking a few spots from there. So there's still like a, a big question about the parking needs of this property. Um, the village put in a fee in lieu of parking, which sometimes is shortened to FILOP, and it's basically $50 per space if you are unable to provide the parking on your existing property. And the intent of that, having sat through those meetings, was the idea being, okay, technically our ordinance would say that you need to provide 10 parking spaces for the business you're proposing. You can only fit six on your property, but because we don't want to hamstring you out of being able to do certain things based on like the geographics of your property, we're going to allow you to pay a fee in lieu of parking for four additional spots. What Shipwrecked is doing is taking that same fee in lieu of parking and saying, we're going to pay a fee in lieu of parking for 55 spots. So 
John Kolb, one of the plan commissioners, made the point that essentially you're trying to shift the entire burden of your parking lot onto the taxpayers because that's got to, A, that means you're either relying on street parking or other people's parking lots, or you're saying the town or the village should be building a parking lot for those 55 spots. And and that, honestly, a measly fee of $3,250 per year for 55 spots. I mean, it, it reveals a lot of holes in some of the ordinances and directions Egg Harbor has taken. And quite honestly, some of that direction has come from a, a, a plan commission under the purview of Joe Smith, the person making this project proposal. So a lot of complicated questions at play here. And they will, I would assume, they'll come back um, with another plan, another proposal. Or, you know, you could see legal action. Although I think from my reading of how conditional use permits work and what you need to deny them for, for a village to deny a conditional use permit, they have to have really strong facts and findings of evidence that came into play a lot during the 30 hours plus of testimony, um, regarding the old stone quarry development last year, or is that two years ago? One year ago, one year ago. <laughs> it seems like um, 2020 just disappeared, right? Yeah, it Anything does. that like, happened in 2019 feels like it was last year. I have no frame of reference for time anymore. <laughs> right. Stuff. Um, but it also comes into play here. What the village's attorney said is just the fact that the owner of this property told in this very meeting came forward and said that there's no chance of getting a shared use agreement with the neighbor. That's pretty good finding a fact. I mean, you really can't request more than the owner saying we can't do the plan as presented. So right. they, they do have very strong legs to stand on from that standpoint. Well, then I guess we will put a pin in the shipwreck discussion, at least temporarily, until this comes back around. But uh, really kind of fascinating look into, uh, like, when you throw something that challenging at the board, like, what else it kind of reveals? I think that that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's been a pretty fascinating one to watch. And it's also, it obviously today revealed some big gaps in the plan presented by Shipwrecked. But it also reveals a lot of dotting of I's and crossing of T's that haven't been done um, by whether it's the plan commission or the village board of trustees or the prior administrator in the in the village of Egg Harbor. There's just like a lot of loopholes in here and a lot of things that aren't very clear. And you could see the plan commissioners trying to digest this as the meeting was going along of, well, we didn't intend for this, but we didn't they didn't make sure they had it written to a very uh, strong level of specificity in terms of their, their parking rules and their zoning rules. So I think what, what, if, what several, not, not I think, but what some of the plan commission members did say at the end of the meeting is like, we need to revisit this stuff and nail it down and make sure everyone's clear on what it means. Right. So I want to wrap up today, Miles, with an interview that you facilitated yesterday you uh, you gave me a phone call uh and said guess who i just got on the podcast and the answer uh was fantastic so <laughs> tell me tell me a little bit about what we're about to hear in terms of this interview uh i feel like people are going to be familiar with this just off the bat because it, it was kind of a an interesting story that that caught fire pretty early on uh, last year. And, and so I, I think people are going to at least be a little tickled to hear uh, what comes next year. Tell me, tell me a, a little bit of the background on what we're about to hear. Yeah. So last summer we ran on the July 10th issue, we had this great cover image and it was a man walking down the street in fish Creek with his shirt off 
holding a paddleboard and with a little pug on a leash. And then in a busy downtown Fish Creek intersection by on deck. And then off to the side was another solitary man standing kind of ramrod straight in a suit and tie with a mask on. And it was in the heat of the the masking debate that was going on at the time. And in the heat, middle of the summer going into the July 4th weekend. And a lot of people saw that cover and thought we had staged it or set it up somehow. And that wasn't the case. Obviously, people had questions about the guy with the paddleboard and the pug, but most of them had questions about the man in the suit. One, because no one ever sees somebody wearing suits up here in Door County that often. And two, because he's just standing there off to the side by himself in that mask. So we actually tracked that guy down and brought him onto the podcast. And he and Brett Kosmeiter kind of will be telling you the story behind the photo, which it's just kind of fascinating. And A, it proves that it wasn't staged, but B, uh, just kind of interesting confluence of events there. Right. So uh, this will be our first behind the cover uh, for the Pulse <laughs> podcast, which which I think uh, maybe maybe is a segment with legs. We'll see. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to this interview. Miles, is there anything else that people need to know before we jump in? Uh, no, that'll do it. All right. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Miles. And we'll jump into that interview next. All right. Now joining us on the podcast is Matthew Mullendorf and Brett Kosmeiter. And what we want to talk about today is kind of a maybe the most talked about photograph we've we've run in the pulse. Certainly, our most talked about cover, which uh, ran last July 10th. And for our regular readers of the pulse, you probably remember will know the one I'm talking about. It was in the heat of the COVID summer, literally in the heat of the summer. Brett Kosmeiter took a photo of downtown Fish Creek that featured. One man wearing a suit on a corner with a mask and another man walking down the street in flip-flops with his shirt off and no mask and a, and a paddleboard. And the juxtaposition between those two figures in the height of summer, in the height of everyone talking about masking and being safe in COVID, uh, struck a chord with a lot of people. And there were a lot of things about it that uh, people have asked questions about. And it just recently won the, the second place award in the Wisconsin Newspaper Association photo contest for spot news photo. So at the the Better Newspaper Contest Awards, Brett Kosmeiter, congratulations on winning that award and welcome to the podcast today. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, uh, it was uh, really a matter of being in the right time of the right place. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, that photo just kind of came about where I was literally walking around town looking for some photos for the Pulse for the paper. And um, that corner, uh, you can kind of never go wrong there because it's pretty iconic. You got the great corner, all sorts of uh, busy activity going on. This was the week before the 4th of July, and there's this great, great American flag flying off of on deck. Uh, they have the great flower uh, arrangement there on the side of the store and that orange crush sign, uh, pretty iconic stuff. And then you get this great sight line that goes down the sidewalk all the way down really to the beach if there's nobody there. Uh, but on this day, there's a crowd of people and the stores are all open. And granted, any any other year, you know, this is the height of summer. Last year, everyone was very, you know, being socially distanced and really kind of feeling out the whole pandemic. <laughs> and so um, some folks were masking up and other folks, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, so we didn't know, were you safe outside? Were you did you have to wear a mask outside? You know, we weren't sure. I, I think uh, I was wearing a mask because I wasn't sure. Some other people were wearing masks. Other people's weren't. 
But anyway, uh, this moment in time happened. I literally spun around, and um, there's this guy on the corner with a stand-up paddleboard with a pug on a leash <laughs> standing on the corner waiting to cross. And I thought, well, that looks interesting. And I raised my camera up to take the picture, and then in the viewfinder, I see Matthew <laughs> as well. He's um, maybe, gosh, a good uh, 20 feet away, but he, it looks like he's standing right amidst all the flowers under the orange crush soda uh the old time vintage sign and right away uh, i just knew it was kind of this really cool image and later the juxtaposition of that image really didn't come to to light until um, really i ran it past some folks at the at the peninsula pulse office and it was very interesting to see what everybody took away from it but um but what we all kind of agreed on was who's the guy in the mask <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and, um, so anyway, it ran on the cover the next week, uh, of the paper and, um, Matthew reached out to me on Instagram, I think it was maybe, and introduced himself and said, uh, thanks for making me the poster boy of, um, <laughs> I think, uh, be, being, or masking up or being, um, socially distanced. I'm not sure exactly, but, um, it was a great introduction. I, I, I felt like it was a, a really good, um, feedback. And you don't get that often from people that you photograph in street photography, especially. Well, and also but, um, to take that photo in on that corner in in the height of summer, like just the odds that that person even was around and, and saw the photo and, and actually lived here like Matthew does. Matthew, I'm kind of curious, what was, tell the story of that day and that photo from your standpoint. You and I chatted a little bit last week and it's kind of interesting how, how you ended up being there and, and how this photo kind of came, came to light from your standpoint. Well, I'm, I, I'd like to think that I have the ability to keep talking when I run out of things to say, so you're going to get a fairly long story, <laughs> and it's up to the editors to uh, make a good one it's done. So we, my mom and I were going to get our picture taken holding a sign because we needed it for a uh, Zoom conference get-together for our congregation where Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. And so my mom had an area picked out that she wanted to get her picture taken in Fish Creek. So we went up there, got some takeout from Julie's Park Cafe. And in the height of summer, we were left with two options for our picture. Either you're going to be squinting, looking straight at the sun, or you're going to be a backlit silhouette. So there I was wearing a black or dark blue suit wool polyester blend getting hotter and hotter waiting for a cloud to finally come over any cloud no matter how small (laughs) so that we could finally get some uh, indirect lighting to not have harsh shadows Mm -hmm. and sun finally dipped below the tree line but it wasn't dark yet and so then we could quick take our picture so then I thought I I should have used a restroom. <laughs> so I went to the one place where I knew I could at least get a parking spot to begin looking for a restroom, the employee parking lot behind White Gull Inn. And as I'm coming up to the corner, I see some guy with a big expensive camera. And so, the, of course, the first thing I do is I turn and look behind me to make sure that something exciting isn't happening that I'm missing out on. <laughs> And I don't see much of anything, and I think, and 
I would have never guessed that it was from the newspaper because I knew Tina Gore and Heidi Hodges, and I always worried that I would end up with my picture in the paper. And so I would look in the advocate or the resort reporter after an event that I had been at, and I had seen them there, and my picture was never there. And I asked them, well, do I need to worry that someday my picture's going to be in the paper? Also, whether they needed it or not, Tina Gore and Heidi Hodges always wore a press pass lanyard to identify (laughs) themselves, in case you didn't already know them, so that you could hide if need be. (laughs) So when I had asked them about, so do I have to worry about ever my picture ever being in the paper? They said, well, no, two things. Firstly, we try to always take pictures of tourists because that way they're up for the weekend, they're long gone by the time it hits print and nobody ever complains. (laughs) And the other thing we take pictures of are cute kids and you're too old. That's pretty true. Cute kids make good newspaper photos. So I thought, oh good, I, I don't ever have to worry about my picture being in the paper. So I see this guy with the big camera and I see some women in front of on deck. They, they made the picture, though not as prominently as me. And my thought was, well, is this guy just a pervert that thinks <laughs> taking pictures of women without their permission <laughs> is art? <laughs> oh, well, he's on a public right of way. He can do whatever he wants. Well, you nailed it. That's, that, that's basically what Brett was out trying to do. <laughs> so then I thought, well, I'm not going to disturb this guy with the camera. So I'll just stay over here and let the crowds of people pass and wait until the guy with the camera finishes up whatever he's doing. And I'll stand way over here to the side so that I don't mess up his shot. (laughs) So you're trying to get out of the shot. Uh, Yeah, that was the plan. (laughs) And after that, I did not give the matter any further thought until my mom got a phone call from her friend Gloria Lautenbach at the Egg Harbor Post Office that she, she gets the pulse, she looks at the stack of the pulse and goes, hey, there's Matthew, <laughs> and calls my mom. Yeah, you're probably just wondering, like, what the heck could this be? What was I, what was I doing that would have been cover-worthy? Yeah, and only after I saw the picture did all of this come back to me of, oh... There was the guy on the corner with the big camera. <laughs> it is, it's such an interesting photo because, you know, people immediately said when this came out, people would comment and go, that's definitely staged, that's set up, like, and, or they would ask if it was. And, I mean, not at all. I mean, no, no setup at all goes into this. In fact, if we were trying to set up a kind of a picture of the moment for that era of people trying to figure out, like, should we wear masks, should we not, or... What's the appropriate thing? We probably wouldn't have even been clever enough to think up this, but it is really the perfect capture of that moment because if, if readers remember, like late June, early July, we weren't at the point where I think we were still weeks away from the county board discussing a mask mandate. There were still, even though by April they said masks help, it was still a while before people started adopting it and, and long before we got anywhere close to the uh, adoption that we have of it now. So it really did capture this argument that was going on in a photo in such a classic way. And you couldn't have done better, Brett, than finding a character walking down the street with no shirt on. Um, abs of steel, by the way, that guy is ripped. 
yeah, you can't make that stuff up. Um, again, I was like, you know, like it is Fish Creek, but come on, you, it's not every day you see a dude walking down the street with a stand-up paddleboard and with a pug on a leash. So, I mean, that right there is worthy of snapping a few photos because it's a little bit odd. Yeah, know? that would have just been a normal goofy cover for a normal summer pulse of like, hey, this is just kind of a picture of a, a goofy de- guy going down to the beach, but then you get this juxtaposition. And, and Matthew, you're also standing like so politely straight off to the side. It'd be one thing if you were just there and looking away or maybe a, a side view of a guy in a suit because not many people wear suits up here. Like when I lived in Chicago, I found myself I'm like, oh, I have to buy a sport coat and a suit and I actually have to have some nicer clothes to be able to wear out. And then I barely ever wear them now that I'm back in Door County. So it's not often that you even see that up here. So there was so many different aspects of it. And then, like you said, Brett, the color of the gardens at On Deck and the, the kind of Americana of the flag and the old orange crush sign and the historic look of that building, um, they just all came together to tell kind of just a, a really cool story and a cool picture of, of this particular summer in the county. Just totally unique. And you, Matthew, I think you said... You actually talked to the guy with the with the paddleboard, right? Yes, I did. I saw this guy with a paddleboard and a dog, which seemed like an unlikely combination to have at the same time. And so I had briefly asked him, does the dog go with you on the paddleboard? And he said, oh, yeah, the dog loves it. <laughs> right, doesn't know that he was a superstar on the uh, cover of the Pulse like you were. Brett, anything else about this photo that i mean i remember when you sent this this batch in and there were a couple other great photos in there and then i came across this one in that batch of in that email that week and i was just like oh my gosh i can't i can't believe you captured this and i actually had the same question that some of our readers had i'm like how did he set this up but yeah no i mean matthew thanks for uh, being in the right place at the right time uh, <laughs> and um thanks for being a good sport about not every day you get on the cover of the local newspaper. Um, yeah, my dad only uh, had that one. happen twice in his life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I know you do some photography as well, and um, you're probably just as um, uh, dismayed as being on the cover as I would be because the purpose I got into photography in the first place was to not be on the cover of the newspaper. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I, I, I applaud you for your, um, your good your good uh, attitude towards this and uh, thanks again thanks for being in the right place at the right time so uh, and it's a pleasure to meet you as well yes so oh it was a pleasure to meet you too and thank you for the honor of putting me on the cover (laughs) well brett thanks for taking some time hopping on the podcast and walking through this photo again and matthew thanks so much for like brett said being a, a good sport about it and um and not getting ticked off that you ended up on the cover. And thanks for coming in and chatting about it too, because I think your your viewpoint from the other side of the lens has been great to have. Yeah, cheers, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.